Happy Easter, everyone. We have a full house this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us, my name's Chad. I'm one of the pastors here. And, and whether you are a longtime believer in Jesus or you are still exploring who he was and, and what it was that he did, we are so glad that you are joining us here on Easter Sunday. So welcome. A couple thousand years ago, something happened that had never happened before. Uh, a few brokenhearted people went to the tomb of a man that they loved a man that they saw recently die, a man that they saw crucified and buried. And when they get to this tomb to prepare his body, they are told that he's not there, that the tomb is empty. This is how Luke records it. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The, men, the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. I, I love Easter. It's the Super Bowl of all Sundays. I love joining together. And if you're not a Christian, this should be fascinating to you. Christians celebrate Easter because everything that we believe hinges on an actual event in history and because Jesus rose from the dead it validated everything that he taught and it validated everything that he claimed to be the foundation of our faith is not a teaching the foundation of our faith is not a, a set of rules that we follow I think it's important for us to understand that Christianity did not begin with people who believed something no Christianity began with people who saw something saw someone, they saw a resurrected Jesus. And in that moment, when God breathed life into what was lifeless, everything changed. History changed. People's lives changed. And that one fact, that single piece of news divided all of human history into BC, before Jesus, and AD, what happened after that one life. So the question becomes, what, what do you do with that resurrection account? Some of you are here this morning and that is the turning point of your life. Your faith is settled. And you're here this morning as a celebration of that resurrection. And the resurrection of Jesus and his life is the center point of your life and how you live it. But for many people, it's not that simple. It, it's not that clean for them. I, I know a lot of people who would say, I, I want to believe, but I'm just naturally more skeptical and being skeptical isn't a bad thing. A skeptic is simply someone who doesn't just believe something because other people believe it. A skeptic is someone who asks their own questions and they come to their own conclusions. And maybe that's where some of you are this morning with this resurrection story. You hear this story of someone dying, of being buried, and then three days later comes back to life and, and you're skeptical. But of course you're skeptical. People don't come back to life. And if that's you... You're not alone. Here's what we're going to discover this morning, is that great faith often begins with honest doubts. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to John chapter 20. We're going to be in there this morning. Uh, this may come as a shock to you, but, but one of the 12 men who followed Jesus for three years was skeptical too. This guy followed him for three years. He, he saw firsthand the miracles that Jesus performed. He, he heard the teachings of Jesus, but yet he still had a hard time believing the resurrection. You've probably heard of him, a guy named Thomas. 
Poor Thomas. There are only 12 verses that talk about Thomas. And in 12 lousy verses, this guy is forever branded as doubting Thomas. But what I love about Thomas is that his life shows that, that even the biggest doubters can one day have the strongest faith. Let's take a look at Thomas's story found in John 20. It says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. The, the gospel writers tell us that after Jesus rose from the dead that he started to appear to people. And on that Sunday evening, after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples and proved that he was alive. But for some reason, Thomas wasn't there. I mean, you talk about missing a good meeting. I mean, Thomas missed out on everything right there. We don't know where he was or why he missed. Maybe he was out making a Starbucks run. But regardless of what happened, he missed the biggest event in history, and he didn't see the resurrected Savior with the rest of the guys. So after these other 11, another 10 guys find Thomas, they, they try to tell him over and over again what they've seen. And then Thomas utters these infamous words. He says, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. I, I hate that, that Thomas is the only one that's labeled as a doubter because the fact is that many of Jesus' closest followers had doubts as well. John the Baptist, the one that Jesus declared was the greatest prophet, this man who came out of the wilderness proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Lamb of God. This is the man who baptized Jesus, who witnessed the Holy Spirit descending on him, who heard the audible voice of God. And yet at the end of his life, when he is rotting in Herod's prison cell, he doubted. And he sent some of his guys to Jesus to ask him, are you really the one or do we need to wait for somebody else? And the rest of the disciples struggled with doubts as well. The, the gospel writers paint a very unflattering picture of these disciples, these men that we look up to, Peter, Andrew, James, John, these guys that we name our kids after. We're told that after the crucifixion, they all deserted. They all fled, and they were fearful that they would be the next ones to be crucified. So they hit the hills. And even though Jesus had repeatedly said to them, I will die, and on the third day I will rise again, even though he had repeatedly said that to them, none of them were anticipating his resurrection. None of them were waiting outside of that tomb on Sunday morning, counting down 10, 9, 8. None of them expected this. The point is that lots of people doubted not just thomas doubt is part of the human condition but again a, a great faith often begins with honest doubt so thomas replies i won't believe unless i won't believe unless these conditions of mine are met he's skeptical and to be fair to him it's perfectly rational for thomas to ask for evidence to back up this claim that's so hard to believe See, he understood what we understand, that, that dead things tend to stay dead. You know, when I look at Thomas, I actually see a redeeming quality because Thomas wasn't content to just accept a, a secondhand faith. He wasn't willing to live off someone else's experience, what someone else had seen, what someone else had heard. He needed to experience it himself. He was saying to these guys, you have no idea how important this is to me. I have to know for myself, because if it is true, if it is true that he is risen, 
then it demands the entirety of my life, that it validates everything that he said, that he actually is the Lord of my life. And, but if it's not true, then I have, my hope is gone. I'll just go back to fishing. But if he, if he is risen, then it changes everything. And so I can't accept your secondhand faith. I, I have to see it for myself. Some of you can relate to that. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home, and for a long period of time, you just assumed a secondhand belief. You believed because your parents believed. But then something happened, and it shook your faith. God didn't come through in the way that you thought that he would, or the way that you thought that he should. And so you became disappointed with God. You became disillusioned with God, or your hearts were broken. You went through a series of suffering or a season of suffering or, or you lost someone and you began to doubt the goodness of God and your mind was filled with these, now why would God, why would a good God allow something like that to happen? Or maybe as you got older, you started wrestling with some of the deeper questions of faith. Is Jesus really the only way to God? I mean, this is a big world. Can I really believe such a narrow claim that it's only through Jesus that we have salvation? Did Jesus really exist? And if he did, did he really rise from the dead? And you got to this place where you began to think, do I believe this, or is this just my parents' faith? See, Thomas wanted to believe, but when Jesus died, his hope was shattered, and his heart was broken, so he did what many of us would have done. He doubted. He, he wanted to believe, but he said, I need a little bit more. You see, doubt can actually be a good thing. When it drives us, to ask questions and to seek answers. Well, that's what Thomas was doing, and he got his chance the next week. It says eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer believe. So Jesus repeats his pattern like he did the week before. He appears to the disciples as they are gathered together. Only this time, Thomas is there. So Jesus looks at all of them. He makes this blanket statement, peace be with you. And then he turns his individualized attention to Thomas the skeptic. And I love this. Jesus came back specifically for Thomas. They're all there. They're all gathered but Jesus cares about the one who wants to believe. And so Jesus gave Thomas exactly what he needed to believe. And notice the patience. Notice the compassion. Notice the acceptance. He doesn't condemn Thomas. He doesn't chastise Thomas for his doubts and his skepticism. Jesus goes and he finds Thomas and he says, here, let, let me prove to you. Put your hand here. Put your finger here. Get, he gave him what he needed to believe. And he said, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Interesting, interestingly enough, uh, Thomas doesn't even take Jesus up on the offer. You would expect as adamant as he was on this criteria for him to believe that he would have done what Jesus asked him to, but he didn't. Instead, he just says this, my Lord and my God, it became personal. Thomas now understood that Jesus was who he said he was, his Lord and his God, skeptic no longer. Doubting Thomas doesn't paint the full picture of Thomas's journey. He actually overcame his doubts. 
And he lived this amazing life of faith. This was a guy who surrendered the remainder of his years chasing after Jesus. Uh, Commonly held church tradition says that Thomas spent the last 20 years of his life in India spreading the gospel to the people in a different continent. And he ended up dying a martyr's death for his faith, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. You see, doubts are not the end of faith. Sometimes honest doubt is the beginning of great faith. John tells us uh, at the end of his letter that the purpose of his book, the purpose of his letter was to give us stories of other people that believed so that we could learn to believe. This is what John says at the end. He says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. John says that the outcome of faith, the outcome of belief is real life, abundant life here on earth, and and eternal life spent with our Father in heaven. Jesus's sinless life, his sacrificial death and his conquering resurrection defeated everything that separates us from having a relationship with a holy God. Sin and death and guilt were finally done with. And scripture says the relationship with God is available to anyone who believes that Jesus is the son of God. But belief takes time. Working through the questions, working through the doubts, it takes time. But Thomas's life is an example of how those of us who may struggle to believe can learn to believe. So how do we do that? How do we push through our doubts and learn to believe? The first thing that we need to do is to name the doubts. Name the doubts that are, in, that are keeping us from Jesus. One of the things that we must be able to do is to be honest with our questions. This church is gathered here this morning is made up entirely of people who are either current skeptics, recovering skeptics, or former skeptics. I mean, anyone who is intellectually honest will tell you that at some point they looked at the resurrection and said, really? Did that really happen? But this church is also made up of people who have pushed through their doubts, who who have met the risen Savior, and He has radically changed our lives. God can handle our questions. He's not afraid of our doubts. He knows that we are human, and what He wants us to do is to come to Him with those questions and with those doubts. So what are you going to do with your skepticism? You can just give in to it and say, believing in the resurrection is foolish, and then you can allow your doubt, allow your skepticism to keep you from searching for truth. Or you can challenge your skepticism, and you can hope one day that you can break through it. That's what Thomas did. He he was honest with himself. He said, these are the things that are keeping me away from Jesus, but he said, Because if Jesus is risen, it changes everything. He wanted to push through and to be honest with himself. Some of you are here and you've never taken that step. But but you owe it to yourself to be honest with what your doubts are. What, What are the conditions that I am holding out before I will believe? What are the doubts that are holding me back? You've never been honest with yourself to say, here's where I struggle to believe. But that's the first step, is to be honest with ourselves and know what those questions are. And then the second one is to, be, to begin to search for answers. And this step here re- requires some effort on our part. There needs to be a desire on our part that we need to go before God and ask him for help. 
Ask him for evidence. He loves to answer those kinds of questions because the truth is that God is more interested in revealing himself to us than sometimes we are in even seeking after him. And Jesus always comes down to our level to reveal himself to us in the ways that we need. Jesus did exactly what Thomas needed to believe, and, and I believe that if you take your honest and sincere doubts to God, that he will do the same thing for you. Jeremiah says it this way. God says through the prophet uh, Jeremiah, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I love this promise. It, there's a condition assigned to it, but I love this promise. As we seek after him, God will let us find him. And he does that. He reveals himself to us in all kinds of different ways through the work of the Spirit in our lives. Sometimes he reveals himself through a worship service or through a message. Sometimes it may be across the table. You're grabbing a cup of coffee with a friend and they share with you the good news. They share the gospel with you. And for whatever reason, it just clicks that time. And you walk away going, I, I believe that. I, I know that that is true. Or it might be while you're reading scripture on your own and the Holy Spirit may suddenly open up your eyes to the truth of who Jesus is. That's Jesus revealing, revealing himself to you. I, I know for me, in, in my own personal journey of searching for answers years ago, the most compelling thing for me to validate the resurrection was actually the changed lives of the disciples. As a matter of historical record, for some reason, this band of cowards who were just sitting fearfully in the room behind a locked door became convinced of the resurrection of Jesus. And that conviction changed the world. And they proceeded to spread the news about who Jesus was and his resurrection to great cost to themselves, with almost all of them dying a martyr's death for their proclamation and their faith. And the church was established. And we are here today because of the convictions of eyewitnesses who saw him rise from the dead. That, that's what did it for me. But you owe it to yourself to wrestle with your own doubts and to search for your own truth, search for, the, for your own answers. It, if you're still searching and, and you don't have a church home, I'd invite you to come back here, hang out with us, listen to our stories, but open up your hearts to the fact that this may in fact be true. And then the third thing that we can do is to commit to follow Jesus. When you get to the other side of your doubts and you have determined that Jesus is the risen Lord, it demands a response. If he died for me, then the least that I can do is live for him. Like Thomas, we declare that Jesus is my Lord and my God and therefore I want him to lead my life and I will follow after him. On that first Easter Sunday, sin lost. Shame died, love won. If there is anything in this world worth celebrating, it is the fact that Jesus is risen, that Jesus is alive, and that he is still forgiving sin. He is still giving people a new identity. He's still giving a new hope beyond this life. And he still holds out this opportunity to forgive our past and to lead our futures. So here's why I want to get personal for just a moment. It, is he doing that for you? It, is he leading your life? Has he done that for you? Have you responded 
in a personal way. Have you decided to commit your life to follow this man? Maybe you're here this morning and you're a believer, and today, Easter is simply a, a celebration of the anchor of your hope that this God has pursued you. And so your response this morning is just to have a heart that's full of worship and gratitude and this renewed decision that I'm going to follow him more closely. Or maybe you're here this morning and you have searched and searched for this past season and now it's not an information deal any longer for you. You had the information, now it's a commitment. You've come to believe in God. You understand the story of Jesus and his life and his death, but you have never clearly, personally responded to his offer. You've never had a point in time when you drove the stake in the ground and said, I'm in. I can't imagine a better day for you to pray this prayer and to make that decision this morning. So we close this morning, let me bow our heads in prayer. I wanna give you a chance to do that this morning if you've never done it. You can just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're God and that you lived a, a perfect life, that you died a death that I deserved and you did it for me and I believe that you rose again. And I believe that you are alive today and that you not only want to forgive me of my sin, but you also want to live inside of me by your spirit and change me completely from the inside out. That's a free gift that you're offering. And Jesus, today I say I'm receiving that in this moment. Do that work in me, I pray. And for all of us, Father, we are so thankful. We are thankful for the reminder of the truth of the gospel and the life that has set us free. We are thankful for the example of Thomas, where we know that we can come to you with our doubts and we can push through our doubts and experience life, real life, abundant life, and eternal life with you. Thank you for this celebration. Thank you for the reminder of what the resurrection brings in our lives. And God, I just pray that we would allow our lives to be a consistent response to and a reflection of your grace and your mercy and your love in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I am so glad that you all joined us this morning. I would invite you to come back next week. We're going to start a brand new series called A Faith That Follows. Have a great Easter, everybody.